A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Malo-based uh, writer and uh, actor uh, Stephanie Preisner is probably best known as the creator of the hit comedy series, drama series Can't Cope, Won't Cope. She's also had huge success with her first book Why Can't Everything Just Stay the Same which went on to become a bestseller. Well, she's gone and done it again and Stephanie joins me in studio to discuss her latest book Can I Say No? Good morning to you, Stephanie. Good morning. Uh, it's so lovely to uh, be well, actually well, in studio. Yeah, it is great. It's terrific because we've interviewed me before and it's always over the phone. Firstly, thank Thank you for saying yes and coming into the studio and doing the interview. Do you like all this press stuff or is it just something you kind of have to get out of the way and do to get the book so out? So being there? brutally honest, yeah. like I love this. I love because I'm back in Mallow. I'm chatting to you, but it's bizarre. Like it's not a natural situation to be like going around to TV studios and radio studios and talking about yourself and your book and it can be quite self-distancing talking about yourself in the third person for a lot of time you know yeah. and you just kind of want to I, I just spend my evenings now very quietly like watching television and not it's also I think a little bit dangerous because your ego gets so pumped up that you're like I'm the king of the world I can do anything and I, I'm never safe when I'm in those because I, wa- I watched you on the late late and, and you were excellent uh, but then I just thought my god the publisher is going to absolutely murder I mean you what, you, you said to people you don't, don't buy the book buy the you book. know it's okay to say no don't buy my book that's not the idea of what you're doing you no need to- that's the thing the publisher was like I think you might be the first author we've ever had to go on the late show <laughs> and tell people not to buy your book but it's also in the spirit of now that wasn't planned and it did kind of slip yeah, out you could like, see that I think that like we do live in a world that is so full of shoulds you know like you should you know be exercising this many times a week you should be drinking this much water you should breastfeed you should not breastfeed you should do this you should do that you should and like I have a pile of books next to my bed that I call the pile of hope but more and more it's like it's turning from hope into guilt because I don't get the time to read them. And when I buy a book, I feel like I'm inadvertently buying the time to read the book, which is not true. And, you know, we gather all these tools. It's actually like little, you know, the middle aisle of little. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so I go in there and I'm like, I need a hammer. So I buy a hammer and then I'm like, oh God, and there's a drill and a chainsaw. And I'm gathering all these tools around me. That you're never but going to use. I haven't even used the hammer in the first yeah. place. And if you don't know how to use a hammer... It's actually quite dangerous to use a chainsaw. So if you're gathering all these self-help tools around you because everyone on Instagram and the Late Late Show is telling you you should buy this book, it just ends up being a burden. And I don't want my book to be next to somebody's bed <laughs> but you being see, a burden. We, you see, we all have that pile of books that we one day dream of 
mine is I land on a desert island and I don't know how the books are going to get there with me but they will and I will read them all one day we all we all do that so don't worry about it you don't have to in any way anyway feel guilty about that now I read I read this book and I actually read it while I was off at, at Easter break it was it was my holiday read and I really did enjoy it because normally I'm forced to read books I actually enjoyed this one I really enjoyed it but I nodded to an awful lot of this book what is it about us that we feel we have to say yes why do we are we afraid that we will offend if we say no I feel like we believe we're not enough just as we are and that people only want to be our friends because we do stuff for them Mm. and I feel like we swim in a culture of like not enough I'm not enough I, I won't you know like I used to be the girl who would like drive I would choose not to drink on a night out so I could drive everybody home because I felt like if I did that then they'd definitely invite me out because I had a purpose and or I would be you know like buying you phone credit so that you would text me back because I didn't believe that like without doing that you might just want to hang out with me just because of who I am and I feel like we do things to please other people to make sure that we are loved and included and worthy because we don't understand that our worth is not tied to how compliant we can be. And I think that might be a social thing. I think girls are socialised, particularly girls are socialised that way. Although I was on Classic Kids yesterday with uh, PJ and Jim and Jim is also a people pleaser, which was interesting because I don't meet a lot of men who identify as people pleasers. Yeah, I think I think we women are more people pleasers than but men. But I think it's because like our school rules, like it says in the book, like the school rules are like, be nice, be kind, share, look out for your friend. And we're crafted into these like little caregivers, you know, who put everyone else's needs ahead of their own. And I'm sure anyone listening, like everyone knows some adult daughter who's like running around to her mother and her mother-in-law and her neighbour doing grocery shopping, wrecked, like run off her feet and, you know, like how she keeps going is like the third secret of Fatima, but she is absolutely wrecked. And I think I don't really want that for my life. I don't think that being a people pleaser makes me happy. And I think I am more of an asset to my friends and family when I am happy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it goes back to, because it, because it, it ran throughout your, your first book as well, uh, being an only child. Yeah, well, there, I, there will be lots of people who are only child listening to this going, oh, not a people pleaser. But I do think that's the key. I think it's because you're an only child. But it is definitely a huge factor because as an only child, Patricia, like if you're not a good friend, you're going to be very lonely. So you learn very quickly. I have to make friends to have people populating my life. And what makes people want to be my friend? It's not saying no. Like as a kid, if you say no a lot, they'll just exclude you, you know? I had mm. this secret language with my mum so that I didn't have to be the one to say no. So, like, I used to hang out up in Springwood a lot and there was loads of kids up there on the green where I used to get babysat. And, you know, during the day, they'd be like, oh, do you want to come to my house for a sleepover tonight? Or do you want to come to hurling practice or whatever? And mum would then drive into Springwood to pick me up from my minders and I'd run over and all the kids would run over too, waiting for me to ask. And I'd be like, mum, Ashling wants me to go to Camogie later. And if I phrased it, Ashling wants me too. That means you didn't then want to Then mum would know that she could. She had to say no for me. Yeah. And then she'd be like, no, no, you can't. And then I'd be like, oh, damn. And 
then so head she home got, with her yeah. happy out. And as soon as an adult says it, well, then you can't go and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so I think my mom got a reputation for being like really strict and like not letting me do anything, whereas actually I didn't want to do anything. And then there were things that she encouraged, I won't say forced, but like encouraged me to do that I wish I hadn't done. Um, but she was just trying to, I think she feels guilty. Now I was talking to her, she read the book and she was like, I shouldn't have made you go to your Debs and I shouldn't have made you go to your Junior or <laughs> Disco. And I was like, ah, ma'am, sure then I just would have written a book about how I regret not going to any of those things. You can't do anything right. <laughs> but older people have a great ability to say no. Mm-hmm. And you have the most wonderful relationship with with your Nana. And I just love when you put stuff up on, on Twitter about her. But she, older people are well able to say no. Oh, yeah. But I think you, she's 91, right? And I came into the house when I was writing the book and I was like, I wonder if Nana has the same thing. So I came in, in around the corner. She's sitting in the chair. She always sits in making or eating her salmon dinner. And I said, Nana, I'm writing this book about saying no. And I'm just wondering, like, have you ever said yes to something that you fundamentally didn't want to do? And she went silent for a minute. And then, as she usually does, thinking. And then she lifted her head and looked at me and said, I don't have time to be thinking about that right now. I just want to eat my dinner and sit down and watch more and die. <laughs> and I was like, look at her. Like, she just doesn't yeah. care. Um, Ryan, I was on the Late Late Show and Ryan Toberty asked her personally if she would come and be in the audience. Great. No. Just didn't want- Just no. Just full stop. No. no is a full sentence. I'll watch it at home sort I'll of thing. see more of it at home and I can roll on the ads. <laughs> She's amazing. Like, but I just hope that like for myself that I don't have to wait to get to 91. To yeah, be that uncompromising. I know. I know. You know? Because I do still find it hard. She she writes down the scores of Strictly Come Dancing. Oh my God, she writes down the scores of everything. We watch Ireland's Got Talent. Now we're watching Britain's Got Talent. Every night the notebook comes out. It's like and she writes notes. Yeah, did notes. she? I was thinking, did she watch the Eurovision? She did, yeah. Did she? <laughs> so she'll write down each each country, their song and a few little thoughts she had on them. Okay. And then she'll come back to it. Now it's easier with Strictly because it starts off with, let's say, 10 dancers and they yeah. become less throughout the season. But when it's X Factor, we start and there's 10 people per episode and she gets attached to someone and you never see them again. And what, these are like copybooks full of notes? Her notebook. She has yeah. a notebook. She's kept a diary every single day of her life since she was like 16 or something. Wow. Just like this, I did this, Mary rang, Steph called for coffee, we had chicken wings, you know, more and that he <laughs> And are they all episode. kept? Are they all stored at home? Did yeah, they're all yeah. Up, in her, up in her shelves, yeah. Isn't that terrific? She's amazing. Isn't it? Do you keep a diary? I keep a day journal. It's part of my saying no thing, actually. I keep a day journal so I don't go out to Google calendars, you know, it's all written yeah, down. Yeah. And so if I go into a meeting, because I find it hard to say no, I will, people will say like, oh, would you do this thing for me on Thursday? And I say, oh God, I haven't got my diary with me. Can you leave that with me and I'll check? And then it buys me a bit of time so that I can come back and say no or else yes. I think that's one of the greatest tips actually. And I know you say this isn't a self-help book, but I I think for people, and I I fess up and say I'm one of the people pleasers, it's a great book to read. I think one of the greatest tips is that is the delay tactic. When somebody asks you to do something and deep down you think, oh God, I don't want to do this. Be, rather than offend and just say no straight out yeah. which we should be able to do but won't that delay tactic is great can I get back to you on that sort of thing yeah. isn't it and it's easier then and it also means that you don't because what is really difficult is surviving that moment of saying no and seeing it on somebody's face and it's like that moment in The Simpsons when Ralph's heart breaks in real time and you can see it happening but I still struggle to say no to someone's face because I feel like, oh God, they hate me. I've disappointed them. I'm terrible. So buying a little bit of time, getting a bit of space so that you can come back to them on the phone or in an email and just say, listen, 
I looked and it's just not going to work. I'm sorry about that. Can we look at it again another time or something? Um, buying yourself time is always great because I also find, like, I'm an introvert and an extrovert. If there's a word for it, it's called ambivert. And sometimes when I'm extroverted, I feel on top of the world. I feel like I could do anything. And what's very dangerous then is that extroverted Stephanie will agree to everything. Yeah. Introverted Stephanie to doing something that she's incapable of doing because there are days when, like, particularly like now that I'm on this media tour and I'm, I'm like, I get so depleted that like meeting someone for a coffee is just one bridge too far, you know? And, but two weeks ago I would have committed to it and I really would have wanted to do it. So I just need to be a little bit careful not to throw introverted Stephanie under a bus when I'm feeling <laughs> particularly energetic. Are, are you able to return food in a restaurant easily? Not easily. Oh my no. God, it only happened the other day and I very rarely do it because something would want to be extremely egregious for me to be like, hang on, I need to send this back. But the other day, I just thought, I have to practice what I've been preaching here. Like, And the soup was cold and the chicken was actually freezing on the inside. Like it had been frozen and then was microwaved. And I just sent that back and was like, and very politely, you know, because nobody yeah. intends to send you dirty food. Um, so I just said, like, I'm really sorry, but I just wouldn't be able to eat that. Is there any chance I could get something else? Um, but Irish people, I think, particularly are very bad about sending back food like they'll and even the waitress comes along and is like is everything okay for you here and you're fine. like yeah yeah fine and then she walks away and you're like oh god and yeah. then you pay for it and then you're resentful but I don't like carrying those little resentments around so it's much easier to just say the thing resolve the situation and then you go out thinking huh that was a fine encounter yeah. and I'll go back yeah. there again yeah and, and it does it gets easier the more you do it but it's just yeah. that initial but what about people saying no to you I mean you don't take take offence if somebody if, if, if you if someone says no to you do you no I don't God almighty you wouldn't want to as an actor like I've had so yeah. many no's in my life um, when someone says no to me sometimes I you know it does you're kind of a little bit disappointed maybe sometimes but ultimately you understand and what I think is dangerous is well now in work situations like the agent that I have, I'm with the Lisa Richards agency um, in Dublin and they said no to me twice. And um, I kept going back because, you know, I felt like I was evolving. And each time I went back, I was offering something different because my skill set had changed. But there is something about the narrative that I think Hollywood projects a lot, which is that no eventually leads to yes, if you work hard enough, particularly in a romantic sense. And I think that's quite dangerous. Mm. Um uh, I think we need to sort of like open up a discussion about taking no for an answer when it comes to romance and consent and the way that I can help that. I feel a responsibility as a screenwriter not to create any more scripts where someone is pursuing someone romantically and gets several no's that eventually lead to a yes. Because I think no is a very powerful word, word but you should use it when you mean it. And when you hear it, you should take it seriously. And I think that that's kind of the message of can I say no, is that you don't always have to say no, but you do always have to feel like you could and it would be respected. Mm. And that's not just in romance, that's in, in, in work and in friendships and in your own personal life. It's about power. And if you feel like you can't say no, it's such a powerless feeling. It's really not nice. You have a really wise head on, the, <laughs> on those young shoulders. Um, the the do you get a buzz out of walking into shops and seeing your book on the shelf? The shops when people don't know who you are, and you walk in and there have you. I do. Like it's kind of cool. 
And I do this thing called secret signing, which I put up on Instagram then. So if I walk into a shop, I have a pen with me. Yeah. And I'll just sign one book secretly. Yeah. And then write like, so enjoy the read, Steph, and then hashtag secret signing. And then people oh. like, and then I'll be like, I just signed a book in, you know, yeah. bookstation in Tala. And then someone on Instagram maybe that day maybe the next day we'll find it and then be like oh my god I found a secretly signed book it's like Willy Wonka and the golden tickets yeah, yeah. Um, but I love I'm loving Instagram at the moment because it's so lovely to be able to connect with readers like because before I imagine a writer would write a book and it was only really like newspaper critics that would ever tell them how they felt but like I get to actually speak to people who connect to the book and who have similar experiences yeah, of like great. trauma from sharing crayons at school and and um, you know people who also loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch or Sister Sister it's just lovely to like be able to connect with people on a personal level that's great I remember Maeve Binchy Lorsha Mercer the wonderful Maeve Binchy saying when her first book came out and she was so excited about the book coming out and she used to go into bookshops and she'd put them out the front and she'd yeah. very quickly and then she'd run back out again and then she'd and, and, then, and then she'd pass the next day and another book would have gone in front she'd go back in again and she'd fix it and I just thought it was the, it was the, it was, the, it was the sweetest thing I'm looking you, forward to the day that I find my book in a charity shop oh yeah, yeah, yeah that, no, there'd be a while for yeah. that to happen it'll be a while you live in Dublin but is is Mallow still home ah uh, yeah um, there was a, actually a piece in the examiner last week that I really lo- like sometimes people do interviews and you're like oh grand they did their job but Siobhan Howe from the examiner did an interview about how Mallow is still home and it really touched me because I met her just after the book signing and I was just so full of gratitude for everyone who came into Easton's in Mallow and, 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 and bought the book and wanted me to sign the book and there's a sense of community here that you just don't get in Dublin because of you know the vast too big and yeah. The dis- yeah and how just yeah how vast it is and you know this morning like I, I rushed out of the house yesterday in Dublin and I forgot my jeans and then I was able to like run up to my friend in Cairn Woods Julie and be like Julie do you have a pair of jeans that I can borrow so I'm wearing <laughs> Julie's jeans today thank Thanks. you Julie <laughs> thank you Julie um, and yeah there's just such a sense of community and support and my mom lives here and I'm very grateful to the community that she has around her because it means that I feel like when I'm in Dublin she's got her own little life down here she's not lonely she doesn't need you know and that's a really you don't nice, have the guilt exactly yeah. it's a really nice feeling and um, we have amazing neighbours in the leeches next door and it does always feel like like home like I can just wake up in the morning put on my tracksuits go for a walk around town I don't have to be anyone I don't have to prove anything it's just my home and oh, I love it well and done. it's lovely to see like new businesses popping up yeah. each time I come home and I think it's a town that's really like apart from the bottleneck Pla- traffic like it, don't mention it, the plaza it's, it's, don't mention the plaza really, yeah. other really than that it's, it's a lovely town and what are you working at the moment what's, what's so next apart for this, Stephanie Prisner um, apart from this I'm I'm waiting so I'm doing this book tour and then I'm going on holidays for a week and then I'm writing a new show for the BBC so I'll be over in London for a little while doing that OK well good luck with it the book is terrific it's available as they say in all good bookshops can I say no by There's a couple a st- of signed copies in Easton's in Mallow if anyone yeah. not secretly for, they're there yeah they're I'll on go display. into Phillips and maybe secretly sign Decide, please well. do please do listen thanks a million pleasure to have had you in uh, studio good luck with the book and we look forward to seeing you again soon thank you good morning Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.